is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak, and we profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you found the show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. And if you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk as well as me, Adam Stack. Today's guest is Drew Stroney, founder of Gestro. Enjoy the show. I'm here with uh, Drew Stroney. He's the founder of Gestro. And Drew, I am so stoked to have you on the show because I've been a, a fan of your work and your company for a while now. It's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me. So I understand you've got this uh, pretty wild past that you've been in the NFL, uh, you went to school at Duke, you've traveled around, you kind of find yourself in Boise. Uh, where should we start in your history to kind of tell the listeners about who you are and what, uh, what got you to where you're at today? Well, we could start with 2007. I basically retired from the NFL, and um, that was a great experience. I only played for a short time, almost three years, which, believe it or not, is about the average career of an NFL player, even though you wouldn't think that. Um, so that's kind of where my, my story started. And at that time, my wife and Jennifer and I didn't have jobs, didn't have any idea what we were going to do. And we were living in St. Louis at the time. And we decided we had been moved around the country a bit because of uh, football. I lived in Philadelphia, Tampa, and St. Louis. And we liked those places, but we didn't love any of them. So we, we kind of made a decision to to jump off and, and move somewhere new. And we, we ended up picking Boise, Idaho. The main reason was it had a lot of things that attracted us outdoor-wise, skiing, outdoor activities. It was a small town, that type of thing. And uh, we ended up really loving it. And, and we were glad that we took the chance to just move somewhere where we didn't know anyone, we didn't have any family. And uh, it helped kind of shape us and helped us grow up a little bit too. So, Drew, how does someone that uh, goes to school, uh, comes out with a degree in philosophy, uh, end up in the NFL, and then found a design firm that uh, builds cool products for WordPress. So when I was playing in the NFL and, and I should go back a little bit further, I I've always been kind of a geeky kid. I was always a geeky kid. You know, I used to love computers, love playing computer games, being on the computer. So, so you were the person that was like first in line to see uh, Tron. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've always kind of been a geek at heart and, one of the things about football in the NFL is you have a lot of, uh, during the season, you're really busy, but during the off season, you have a lot of free time. So that was kind of my, you still had to work out and stuff, but it definitely wasn't a full-time job. So it basically gave me all this time to geek out and find stuff that I'm interested in. So, you know, I started getting into web design and, you know, reading like Zeldman and Dan Cederholm and guys like that. And just started getting interested in it and started playing around with it. I actually released an, a free HTML template, I think, back in uh, 2005 or 2006. And that was kind of my first experience uh, with design. So I'm completely self-taught when it comes to all that HTML, CSS. And I, I don't know really much JavaScript, but I'm, I'm more of kind of just a front-end guy and a designer but yeah, that's how I got interested in it. It was more of a a, a, a hobby and uh, that just ended up turning into essentially our business. What, what did you learn from being in the NFL that's uh, been a foundation for you now today? Well, one of the things that I did learn that I, that I, think, that I think is carried with me is the NFL, a lot of people might not know too much about it, but it's it's... It's a very cutthroat business. I mean, people are, it's very much a business. I know people think of it as a sport, but there's a very kind of tough cutthroat business side to it. So I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was toughening, your, like toughening my skin about taking things um, in the workplace because it is a workplace. I mean, you're getting paid, you're going there, even though you're playing a sport, it's still a workplace, but taking hard criticism, realizing that sometimes it's important to give hard criticism and having tough enough skin when somebody, you know, because in the NFL, essentially 
you know, when you get cut from a team, you're, it's really like you're getting fired. And it might not be because you didn't, you weren't trying hard or that you weren't showing up and doing all the things you're supposed to do. It just might be that there's a guy that's a little bit better than you. Yeah, circumstances. Right. I, I think this is wild, too, that you know, I don't think I've had one single person on my show ever that's been on any sort of Major League Baseball, football, any sort of professional sport. And I think it's just wild to to even, uh, you know, know that's part of your history and just, I mean, you got this deep voice, too, so that kind of goes with the, the fact that you're probably a big guy and, you, you know, you were able to uh, take your, your punches in the NFL. But I just wanted to know about, uh, you know, what the NFL can do to prepare someone like you to to be someone that's now more behind the scenes. Like I see NFL people more out in the field being rambunctious, you know, hitting people, taking punches, partying, having fun. And, uh, you know, what's the, what's the difference in lifestyle now with uh, running gesture? Well, I was never, you know, it's, it's funny. There's all types of different people. And, and I think in when people imagine the NFL, they have very specific thoughts of what, you know, everyone's doing. But if you think of it like a workplace, it really, it really is a workplace. There's all type, there's all different types of people. So, you know, I was kind of settled down living with, uh, Jennifer at the time, my wife, Jennifer. So I didn't really live a a crazy, you know, NFL party lifestyle, but there's plenty of people that do, but you could say that in, in any workplace. So uh, I would say that lifestyle wise, it's more of a change in mentality as to who I am as a person and, and what I do versus, you know, being a, having a totally different lifestyle. So we've heard you mention Jennifer a couple of times and We've heard me mention Gestro a couple of times. So can you give us the, um, I guess, the brief intro on what is Gestro? Who is Jennifer? I guess she's now your wife, but she's also part of your business. And, you know, what's the what's the roles there? How's that work out? Right. So when we the name Gestro is actually a combination of both our names. So really, we were really creative at the time when we not <laughs> so sneaky. I didn't even notice that good stuff. No, yeah, it's we. It was one of those things where we were starting the business. We're like, oh, we'll just combine our names and and that works. So, um, and we actually started out as a as a totally different business when we first moved to Boise. I had an idea about uh, selling. Essentially, it was for marketing local businesses and local res, restaurants, but it was very much an offline business, and that's actually how Gestro started. And and at that time. Uh, Jennifer and I were both kind of getting out. It was more of a sales thing. So we were out trying to sell to people. And part of that was I didn't, web design was kind of my hobby. And I saw it as something that I did for fun. And I didn't necessarily want to make that my job. But I didn't realize that you could actually have fun and have it be your job. And, you know, that's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things when those two wires connect, you're like, wow, that's pretty awesome. So anyway, we we started that kind of it was basically a an offline advertising business and we kept getting asked by different people about hey, do you do websites? You know, I'm not really interested in advertising, but I really do need a website. So I knew how to do websites. Eventually, it was just one of those things where we said, let's start taking the business its extra revenue. We might as well try it. And uh I would say that's a a big lesson that we learned growing as a business is being open to new possibilities. Because if we had just, you know, kept our blinders on and said, no, 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 that's not what we do. You know, we would never be where we are today. So I think you have to, I think it's important to listen to what people are asking for. And if you have, if you feel like you have the skill set, don't be afraid to go in that direction. Can you recall that uh, that first moment, the first time you were asked about websites and what uh, what your reaction was and what you did to prepare? So, I mean, the first, it must have happened five or six times before I even considered saying yes. You know, I almost did have my blinders on when it first started happening. So, you know, someone would say that and I would say, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're doing, you know, we're selling advertising. You know, if that's not something you're interested in, then we're going to go, you know, we're not, we don't do websites, but then, you know, you start hearing it enough and then you're finally, you have that discussion and decide that, Hey, why don't we do this? It's, we could make some more money and it, you never know where it could go. Uh, 
which also leading into Jennifer and that, you know, she was kind of, she was my girlfriend at the time. We later got married, but she was also my business partner. And I think it's really important for anyone to at least to have a business partner or at least have a mentor that you can talk to because it's really hard. I know if I hadn't have had, if I didn't have her to talk through problems with at, at those early stages and talk about things like, Oh, should we start doing web design? It's really hard to make all those decisions yourself without getting kind of an outside opinion. And, and I know it was for her as well. It was invaluable to be able to bounce things off me. Um, so I'd say that's another kind of lesson that we learned was have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and, and chat with routinely. Otherwise you kind of get stuck in your own, your own thoughts and you doesn't, you're not, there's not as many possibilities. Yeah. The the topic of founders, co-founders, um, partners, whatever kind of label you want to attach to that other person, uh, kind of being your mentor or being your confident whenever you're kind of hitting challenges and talking through things. I've, I've heard from so many different founders that have come on this show and, and uh, the other podcast I ran for a while called the Web 2.0 Show, which is actually still online, so there's tons of good interviews there if, um, if you want to go back and listen to those. But I've dove into this conversation with... Uh, specifically with Mike from FreshBooks mm-hmm. because he gave a really good talk on on the desire and the need for a co-founder and what that is and you know what you should look for in someone and it's kind of wild that, that your co-founder ended up becoming your wife what is uh you know knowing what you know about needing somebody else what has it been like for that person to be your girlfriend and then become your wife so that's funny when we it's it's really when you first start to, to down that path it's really hard to, I would say it's harder to have your, you know, spouse or partner be your co-founder because you're bringing all kinds of other things into the situation. So you have your, you know, you have your relationship with your significant other and all of a sudden you're introducing a whole new element into that situation. And a lot of times you may have different views about how a business should run or how certain things should be approached. And so it's hard to establish boundaries of where the relationship is and where the business is. So I think we certainly did a lot of arguing and, and had, you know, at the very beginning because we hadn't figured out our roles yet, but as the business started to evolve, we each found, started to find roles that we were, better at and more comfortable in and that's kind of how we naturally separated into those into those roles but at the beginning it's definitely a a tumultuous time i would say for especially if it's someone that you're in a relationship with do you think uh, getting married made it easier well it's funny when we actually when we got married it was the business had already started to somewhat be successful and we felt better about it so uh, I don't know that, and we had already been together for a long time, so it was almost like we were married, but we weren't married. I mean, we had been, <laughs> yeah. we had been together for um, eight years before we got married, so it certainly wasn't a, you know, hey, I just met you, let's start a business together type of thing. Um, so I would say for us, ma- actually getting married didn't change much at all. And originally, Gestro was a design studio, and you guys are well known for being uh, a product of yours called the Theme Foundry. And I know that you'd mentioned how you kind of avoided or put your blinders up towards taking on web design projects as uh, when Gestro was more of a an advertising and marketing agency. Uh, at what point did WordPress and uh, the Theme Foundry come into play, and, and how did that fundamentally change or evolve your business? So when we did start taking web work, we needed a CMS, something to offer to clients that they could use and was easy to manage. And and WordPress was a perfect fit for that. You know, this was, I mean, it still is. It's a, it's a, it's great for small businesses that need to get up and have an easy way to edit their website. And so that's how I essentially found WordPress. And so I started designing client sites with WordPress for clients and this is 
midway through 2008, and I started seeing that people were starting to sell templates essentially for WordPress. And we kind of made the decision, or we, we talked about it and made the decision that it might be a good idea to release a free template and see if it gives, gets our web design business some exposure. And so we went ahead and released Vigilance, which was our first theme uh, for free. And it was my first foray into, you know, designing a template. And I really, really enjoyed the process because when you're, as all of us or most people listening that are doing client work, especially freelance developers or designers know that it's a, when somebody else is always telling you what to do, it's a different mentality and it's a different feeling than when you're kind of building your own product or building your own template and making the decisions that you feel are, are going to be best for most of your, you know, potential users. But essentially we just said, you know, this might be a good idea. We'll, I'll try and make it as cool as I can and hopefully people take notice and we get some business from it. And we, not only we, we, it ended up being really successful as mentioned on like Mashable. It ended up getting added to WordPress.com back in the day when it was, there weren't that many themes on WordPress.com. It started generating a lot of design business for us. So it definitely was a huge kind of a catapult to get us, into designing WordPress themes. And then we just kept releasing them and I would kind of be balancing client work with trying to get more themes out. And eventually it got to the point where we were, you know, the revenue was starting to pick up with the theme sales and we decided to, that it would make sense to kind of dive head first into that and start uh, phasing out the client work. But I think the important thing is the whole, it all started with um, taking a chance at releasing something for free and just putting your work out there. And if we hadn't have taken that step, you know, maybe we'd still be designing some, you know, local websites for, you know, local businesses and stuff. What well, theme development? This is back in 2008 when you first started uh, the Theme Foundry? Yes. So in 2008, do you can you recall what version of WordPress that was? Maybe like 2.6 or 2.5? I think so. Honestly, I don't I do not know exactly, but it was it that sounds about right. And there probably wasn't too many like you know we got woo themes. Now you've got a lot of premium, I guess what they call premium theme developers. Right. And you're in that market too, but I mean, this was a blossoming kind of scenario for a lot of uh, well-known places now, like the guys over at Envato have got their things going on with the marketplaces and uh, what you're doing with Theme Foundry and Woo Themes. I mean, did you see anybody else doing this? And were you like, oh, I got to do that too? Or was this sort of, you know, I'm on my own here. This is a good idea. Let's make some themes and sell them. No, it was definitely, I started to see some of the, the early people, people that you mentioned that were starting to do this. But it was very, very much... uh the beginning stages of that at this point there's you know there's probably 30 40 50 theme companies out there at that point you know people were just kind of testing the waters and nobody had really i guess uh fully explored the possibilities so i would say we were very much in that group of early explorers i guess into that market that's a good word i would say that because this is this certainly was exploration i mean uh, I don't know if you can talk about licensing at all, but I know that there were, for a while there was this whole battle in the WordPress community about being able to sell themes and they should be free or they should be open source because WordPress was open source and the GPL licensing. Did you play that battle at all? We didn't participate too much in that. We kind of just stuck with the the default WordPress license. And there was, there was a lot of debate about that. And, and what it boils down to is we decided to kind of just stick with the, I guess the WordPress philosophy and it really didn't hurt our business at all. So to us, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to engage in, you know, to extend a debate about it when WordPress is, had clearly already established what, you know, kind of what they expected and what, how things should be. So long story short, don't, uh, don't go against the grain, kind of follow the, (laughs) 
the big boss and do what they say? Well, it depends. I mean, if you're developing on a platform, you know, any platform, you have to somewhat follow the the lead of the platform, the person that's building that platform. I mean, that's that's one of the expectations of you choosing to build something for that platform. I mean, it's the same with iOS or whatever it is. I mean, at some point you can complain and, and there may, you know, if, if everybody's complaining about something, there may end up being change, but you can't, uh, you can't count on, you know, whoever's in control of that platform necessarily listening to you. So you kind of have to go with what, what the platform outlines and specifies. Yeah. You got to kind of play by the rules. Exactly. In the end of the day. Yeah. Pretty much. You know, so, so one thing I'm thinking about too, is that, you know, the theme foundry is a vanilla enough name that it's not tied to WordPress specifically. However, um, you know, the crux and the building blocks of it was obviously WordPress. And you mentioned needing, needing a CMS to, to work on the project you were taking on. And, you know, obviously you've been centered around WordPress. Is it, is that a, bad thing or a good thing for the future of theme foundry well actually a lot of thought went into the name and and to me i think it's a good thing uh, because the way the web unfolds and moves there's always things are changing really quickly so you know right now we're totally focused on wordpress we love wordpress but we don't know where you know 20 years from now, you know, the, the template business will be, or, you know, what the, the most used CMS or where people are, we don't know where that's going to be. So by kind of calling it the theme foundry, we feel like wherever the web goes more than likely, there's going to be a demand for templates for people that are starting websites. Now, who knows where, whether that will be, you know, in a distributed fashion like it is now where you kind of install your own, you install your like WordPress on your server and you install your, you know, a theme or something or whether it's not in a distributed fashion where it's a hosted thing. Either way, as you can see all over the web, people are interested in templating, skinning, whatever you want to call it, different platforms. So we feel like that need is very strong and and will be strong for the foreseeable future and and using a name like the theme foundry doesn't necessarily lock us into one platform forever i guess on that note too not long ago you mentioned uh, a responsive theme coming up for for uh tumblog so is that wordpress specific or is that tumblr specific or is it uh, do you even look at your themes as like agnostic towards a platform and say here's a theme here's a look and here's a wordpress version here's a tumblr version here's a xyz version so we've only experimented with one other platform and when we released our shelf theme that was designed by john hicks uh a little over a year and a half ago or actually probably actually never mind about a year ago as of right now um we released it on Tumblr as well as kind of an experiment to see, you know, where that went and, and how many sales we got and how interested people were in it. And as of right now, the vast, vast majority of our customers are WordPress users. So we're staying really focused on developing for WordPress right now. And the with the new post formats and... Uh, capability in wordpress you can do some pretty cool stuff tumblog style stuff and that that new theme that's coming out soon will be a will be released on wordpress first we we we're not sure if it will be a tumblr theme at some point it's it will probably just be wordpress at first though so speaking of tumblogs and wordpress there's a woo tumblog will you use that or will you kind of be like no i'm not using my competitor's code and and do your own thing so Actually, believe it or not, when we first released Shelf, WordPress didn't have post formats, which they do now, which is essentially yeah. like built-in Tumblog uh, capability. So we did use the Tumblog plugin at the start because we did, there wasn't anything else out there, and we felt that it was quickest to just get the theme released and leverage that. But 
almost two or three months later, when the next version of WordPress came out that supported post formats, we ended up moving it over to that. So as of right now, we don't, it, with the way, with WordPress's capabilities, you don't need any specific plugin to do tumble blogging on WordPress. It just, you know, you can hook into the default post formats and use those. I know we probably talked about a ton of geek questions in and around the the WordPress space, but I mean, considering there's, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 million websites out there powered by WordPress, it's probably a good geeky topic to dive deeper into because I think most people that are founders out there or listening to eventually become a founder of a company, of, of an idea, of a product, they probably have leveraged or used WordPress or even commented on a WordPress blog at some point. So I almost feel bad to, to dive deeper into it, but just... Uh, just like maybe one or two more questions on that. Like with the the Rev on three O with WordPress, there was all new, these new features, like you just mentioned with the post types and stuff. Like, what kind of doors did that open up for you as a company? You know, Theme Foundry, but at the same time, WordPress. Like, I see some really intensely awesome websites powered by WordPress. I'm thinking, like, wow. I mean, that's usually what a Rails app would do, or a very custom framework might uh, be pulled into doing. Probably could do it too, but you know, what has WordPress done in the past, I guess, six months with the latest version that has just really turned you guys' heads? Well, I think one of the, some of the bigger changes over the past few years, I mean, the menus was a huge, huge, huge change. That was a, a big limiting factor for customers and just all users of WordPress because the way the menus worked you had to essentially, there was no GUI for managing that. So you'd have to, either you knew how to code or you'd have to be digging through page numbers to say, you know, I want to include this in my, I want to include this in my menu and I don't want to include this in my menu. With the new, with the new menus, it's, it's very much drag and drop. Everybody, it's really easy for people to understand and use. And I think it helped people get more interested in WordPress because it made it easier for them to essentially build a website that they want with WordPress. So, you know, the menus, the the custom post types, the custom post formats, all those things kind of made WordPress into more of a have CMS-like capabilities. So as a company that's developing templates for that, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities for you to utilize those new tools to put cool stuff in people's hands that is easy to use and can get them up and running. I mean, we when custom post types were released, we we released a, a photography theme meant specifically for photographers, and it fit really well for that purpose. And that they could kind of think of their galleries as as a totally separate thing. And it if if custom post types hadn't existed at that time, you know, maybe we wouldn't have been able to go in that direction and provide that unique product. I have to say that photography theme is uh, not by far one of my most favorites of yours, but certainly one of the, one of those ones you see that it's like, wow, that that's a WordPress theme. I mean, I could just buy that and deal with a, a GUI to, to post some content. I don't have to touch any code to make that happen. That's just to me, that's amazing to see WordPress do this, and then to put that kind of uh, power into the hands of someone like you, who's a creative, someone who thinks outside the box, and then also thinks about it like a product. Because uh, automatically, guys behind WordPress can only do so much for the platform, but at some point, you've got to give some control over to you know the third parties, the the endpoints like you are, to to really think outside the box on how you can really leverage this um, this theming framework and this these platforms to to do fun things like this photography one or even a newspaper style kind of thing. It's it's, this is wild. Yeah. And, and part of that is the open mentality of WordPress itself. I mean, it's a very open platform. So essentially they're putting the tools in your hands and what you do with them is up to you. So that can be very, that's very empowering for a designer or developer or anyone who's building products to feel like, you know, the people behind the project are, constantly trying to give you better tools to build essentially build better products for the end users or you know even if you're just a developer having better tools to build sites for your clients 
So one of the things I love about your website too, uh, just because I'm looking at the uh, the photography WordPress theme on your website, and I'm just noticing this uh, this unanimous feature list on each of your themes and how well documented it is, and how you talk about here's what you get if you go with the free version, here's what you get with when you go with the pro version. I mean, beyond the beautiful design that is this, it seems like you've learned quite a bit about just showcasing a product itself, like learning how to market a product. I mean, it's, you know, you mentioned earlier Gestro before it turned into this web design company and this design studio, you were, you know, advertising and marketing. How much did you um, like leverage from the early days of your, your desires and your dreams to, to now when you're developing WordPress themes as a product? I was all while we were doing that, I've, I've always been someone who's constantly observing and making note of things that I think are done well and trying to think of ways that I could make them better. So I, I think it's kind of been in my nature to always be interested in that, in that type of thinking. You know, how can this be more clear? How can we better communicate this product? If I was going to buy this product, what would I want to see? You know, what's the most important things that I want to see if I'm the one buying this product? And I think for me, making myself the critic really works because I, when I browse around the web, I can be really picky and complain about things to, you know, in my head, Oh, well that's confusing. I wouldn't have done it that way. Or so if you, for me being able to, you know, self evaluate and actually critique your own stuff is, is invaluable, I guess. So tell me about your team. I mean, you've got uh, four members listed, your wife included, on on Theme Founders website, and then on your uh, parent company Gestro's website, you've got uh, uh, three there. Did I say three or did I say four? Three. Four on four on Theme Foundry and right. Three on Gestro. So hopefully, I didn't confuse any listeners. No. You, so the the fourth member of the of the theme on the Theme Foundry is Jeremy, and he's a part time uh, support forum team member so on our gestro page we only have you know jennifer myself and then andy who's our first full-time who was our first full-time employee who we hired in july of this year and and that that in itself was a huge step for our business before we had kind of only worked with contractors and and freelancers and things like that and uh, we're currently looking to hire uh, at least one more person right now so the team will probably be getting bigger shortly yeah see on both websites you got we're hiring learn more i mean that's uh who are you hiring uh right now we're hiring a designer and uh also developer position so we're kind of just on the lookout i mean we we've left it up there mainly because we're still we're if if we don't want to rule out the right person so if we find if we happen to find a really great person then it's worth it for us to leave leave the uh, listing up there. But we are we may take down one of those openings soon. You know, in your in your who we are here on this, uh, I just happened to be reading your job listing real right. quick while you were talking. But it says you were bootstrapped and you're based in Boise, Idaho, which we covered already in the call. So I'm not going to go back over that. But what I'm curious now is you said you've had some success and. What was it about your business that, I mean, you obviously bootstrap, but how, how is the business doing now? Can you talk at all about how much money you make? I mean, maybe not exact figures, but ranges roughly. Like, I mean, the reason why I asked that question is I'm, I got to imagine like at, at least once in my career, even I've thought about um, not so much doing what exactly you do, but I've thought about, well, Hey, I can, I'm a designer. I can build a PHP um, theme for WordPress. I mean, I can learn these things, or I already know most of these things. I can get a hold of this. I can make my own. So, when people look at you and the success you've had, I'm just wondering if this isn't, this isn't a, a good market to get into for some younger designers who can get a kickstart in their business, or you know, where it can actually take them. I prefer not to get into specific numbers, but we've grown significantly over the past few years, and. Obviously, the fact that we're hiring and we're hiring full-time people tells you something about, you know, that we're making enough to support that. And, you know, we haven't taken taken any outside funding or anything like that. And so we've certainly grown 
significantly. And and on the second part of your question relating to you know what can would I say it's worth it for someone to try and get into you know selling WordPress themes or whatever it is. I would definitely say it's worth it because anytime you're able to deliver kind of a great customer experience and great products, there's going to be a market for that, whether you're selling WordPress themes or, you know, apps or services or even offline businesses. I mean, I think the tenants of building a successful business are the same across you know, all types of businesses, you know, it's, it really comes down to customer service, innovation and building great products. You know, one other thing that, uh, that you've done in the WordPress world, which is something I actually talked about on, uh, uh, on another website that I run. I don't know if you guys listening to the show know that I run this other website called the change log with my co-pilot, Win Netherland. And we also run the sasway.com because we're uber geeks like uh i mentioned to drew that i'm a i'm a designer as well but uh i prefer to write my css in the language of sas so i run this website called the sas way so long story short i was perusing (laughs) um the search results for sas on github and i ran into haphazardly i think probably just by luck your new project called forge and that's a pretty much a toolkit for building wordpress themes using, I guess the main reason for it really is to, to be able to leverage SAS and CoffeeScript in theme development. So that's pointed really at the, at the um, you know, probably advanced level WordPress developers. So tell us about that project. So that project was basically born out of, I started, you know, recently seeing hearing about SAS and experimenting with SAS and started testing it with some just fun projects that I was playing around with. And I said, wow, this is really awesome. And why can't I use this to build WordPress themes? Because, you know, I'm been a WordPress theme designer. I want to use this to build WordPress themes. So we started thinking about and brainstorming, you know, how can we, apply this to WordPress themes and and we had seen some other projects that had kind of taken the command line approach of, you know, almost a work in, in a source folder and then compile into a into a finished product. So for those people listening that don't know anything about what Forge is, essentially it's a toolkit that allows you to use some of these cool languages like SAS and CoffeeScript to develop in a nicer environment that's more enjoyable and then have the theme itself or the, or the finished product compile down into something that's kind of a standard WordPress theme that uses CSS and JavaScript and has a normal WordPress theme folder layout that WordPress expects. So your initial reaction to SAS was, uh, this is, this is freaking awesome. What was it exactly you said? <laughs> I, I think it was, this is awesome. Why can't I use this to build WordPress themes? There you go. <laughs> and you know, you just made my day because, uh, here on Founders Talk, it's not that we don't go into the geeky levels of, uh, you know, web design or web development, but you know, by default, Founders Talk isn't this podcast that talks specifically about, um, technology. So getting to marry one of my projects, the sasway.com with Founders Talk is kind of cool because I run them both, but I don't always get to dictate which content goes uh, goes ahead of others. So it's, it's, it's neat. And even more so that you've built this awesome toolkit for just pretty much anybody who's, I guess, fairly comfortable with the command line to, to have a toolkit to build not only SAS-based WordPress themes, but also CoffeeScript, which um, how much have you used CoffeeScript, and is that something that you, you currently use? You mentioned that you're not uh, that fluent in JavaScript, but maybe Andy is? Correct. So I'm not, I'm not very fluent at all in JavaScript, but looking through the CoffeeScript project, it seemed everything felt right with what they were doing with the project and the fact that it compiled down to regular JavaScript. It was more fun to write. It was cleaner, easier, you know, kind of the similar reasons why people use SAS. You know, it has all the benefits of a, of 
of something like CSS or JavaScript, but it's more fun to write, basically, and you feel like you can be more productive. And for those WordPress developers that are listening, because you're a huge fan of Drew, um, uh, you should check out the changelog episode 0.2.9. We actually version our podcast. It's kind of a unique little twist on us because we basically cover what's uh, what's fresh and new and open source. So um, about a year ago, we sat down with Jeremy Ashkenaz, who was actually the guy who came up with CopyScript, and talked with him deeply about uh, Document Cloud and what they're doing over there, and specifically about CopyScript and you know this cool new language that compiles to JavaScript. And people will be like, well, why do I need to write javascript with something else that's kind of uh if you have that question that's a podcast you should dive into uh for sure so um yeah i I love forge but i mean this is open source you'd mentioned earlier you you get some good um you get some good what do you call it i i guess i'm not really sure what what how to how to describe it but you basically said by putting something out there for free we were able to go in other directions in our business we weren't sure of before. So now you put out Forge. This is open source. It's free. You know, what were your motivations with uh, go, going open source just to give back? Right. So, I mean, there's always – it's one of those things where we're using a tool and I think it makes sense to share that tool with others that might find it useful. And you never know where that's going to take your business. Obviously – if the tool becomes popular, it's going to help. Uh, it's going to help market your business because people are going to associate the tool with your business. So there's there's definitely some positive side effects, even from a business standpoint, of releasing a tool like this open source. But from, I mean, the core reason we found it to be something that we thought would be really cool for our own theme development. So, and releasing that to other people seems just, it'd be, it's the right thing to do. And, and it could also help make the project better and have others contribute. I mean, I know you even submitted a few tickets and we've had a few other ones and, and Forge is already improving, you know, just be, you know, if, if we hadn't have open sourced it, those things might not, ne- had never come to light. Well, you even changed future content on the com too, because... Um, one of our contributing authors, Roy, he was working on basically how to use SAS and WordPress theming. So you basically negated even the reason to write the post because Forge makes it so easy. I guess that does lean on the fact that you're a little comfortable with the command line. So that, and you're not, you're not even, uh, I mean, I guess if you're using SAS, you're probably okay with that anyways, even though there's some, uh, apps that kind of run as OS 10 apps or windows apps to kind of compile your SAS for you. But not to go too deep in the the geekery of the command line, but it, I was really encouraged by Forge because I think this is kind of neat to see these kind of toolkits blossom around, um, you know, CMSs, blog frameworks like WordPress to do theming and to use bleeding edge tools like SAS. I mean, I say bleeding edge, but SAS, SAS has been around for like five years now. So anybody who's just like new on the bandwagon. Rewind five years. That's that's how long ago SAS was first committed. Actually, the birthday for SAS is coming up soon. It's November twenty eighth. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so it's kind of we might do something for SAS Day. Who knows? It's funny how those those projects end up. You, you know how you said it, bleeding edge. To a lot of people, it is bleeding edge because even though the project's been around five years, in some ways, it's just starting to become more like really become noticed in a more mainstream light and that's not a that's not any kind of knock against it it's just that sometimes things take a while to really become noticed and to so i'm sure there's a lot of people listening that is like i've never what it what is sas you know or maybe yeah. they've maybe they've heard it mentioned a few times but they've never really looked into it and you know the more and more that happens people start looking into it and the you know momentum kind of builds i've uh i've been able to experience people discovering SAS and their first reaction is yours was how can I use this in my WordPress theming and most people was like wow this is going to change my life and then they come back days later like wow I will never write CSS ever again like it's fundamentally changed Uh, not that CSS is bad it's just that it's very uh, I don't know how to say it's very statically typed it's kind of dumb it doesn't have variables it doesn't have mixing so all these fun things that this technology, just like CoffeeScript, CoffeeScript does for JavaScript, by shortening and and lightening the syntax, it just makes it a little easier to have developer happiness. 
and a better better authoring experience and you know it's just uh it's just a wild little wild little piece of technology that I totally advocate and I'm so glad that uh that cool folks at uh, Theme Foundry agree and they released Forge to do so and that's awesome so um you know Drew I don't know I mean what's what's next for you what's uh what's next on the horizon what don't we know about you your team Theme Foundry, Forge, what do you got up your sleeves? What's hidden? What's not known? What's uh, what's something no one else knows about you can talk about today? Well, I would say that we're really, really excited right now because in a lot of ways, when you're starting a business and up until this point, we, we haven't had, we've had some contractors and freelancers, but <clears throat> it's just been Jennifer and I and, and you know, hiring Andy <clears throat> and now soon to hire some other people i'm really excited that it's going to give us the the manpower to start cranking out more cool stuff i mean forge is a perfect example if we if it was just me that might have i might not we might not have had time and resources to dedicate to that because there's too many other things that i need to do but being able to grow our team i think has positioned us really well to really put our put the foot down on the gas pedal when it comes to cranking out some awesome WordPress themes. And, uh, so right now we're kind of laser focused on that and, and really excited about kind of innovating and pushing the boundaries with WordPress. So I, I got to imagine that responsive is like the number one feature request for most of your new themes. Definitely. And, and as of now, since, we released uh, React, which is kind of our first responsive theme. The the one, the upcoming Tumblog theme is will be responsive. Our next theme will be responsive. And as I see it, I don't see a situation where we wouldn't be doing... I mean, as far as I see it, every theme that we design from now on will probably be responsive unless there's a really good reason not to be. And uh, I guess looking to the future, I'd be more than happy to entertain you guys doing a guest post on the SaaS way to talk about responsive theming and doing that fun stuff in WordPress and especially how SaaS has changed your workflow over the past, I guess, since your past few years to now and what you're doing with Forge. So that'd be an awesome little thing for that as well. Any any other fun things about your business we could talk about that we didn't get a chance to dive into? No, not that, not that come to mind. All right. Um... Uh, that's all the questions I had for you. I'm I'm stoked to have you on the show. I've been a fan of the Theme Foundry for years. Um, I guess for the five by five listeners, there is one little nugget we should share: is that if you've perused five by five dot TV and you've gone to the about page, Dan does a, a good job of telling the story of five by five and um, you know what the name means. But what you might not know is that Drew designed the logo. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's a good little closing thing. Can you tell us about the five by five logo and what that experience was like with working with Dan? I know he's a he's a tough cookie to please sometimes, but uh, you did a good job with the logo, that's for sure. So, what you what uh, the other thing that might not be too well known is that Dan actually used one of our themes to launch five by five way right? way back when it first started. Uh, he didn't launch it on WordPress, but he essentially ported uh, our Paper Punch theme to rails to use uh to launch five by five it i would say it was maybe only there for a month before he redesigned it but it was uh one of our themes was actually running five by five for a while that's funny you say that because now i'm looking at the the punch uh, the paper punch web uh theme the preview of it and yes i was thinking wow okay dan's using wordpress <laughs> and the, even the icons up at the top they kind of stayed there for a while it's kind of wild too now knowing that that to see how this theme kind of influenced the direction of the design even as it is now even though he uses like i think like his own blend of theme plus 960 i think he's using the grid framework that uh, nathan smith created right yeah and i th- I think he might be using the. I, I'm not sure which icons he's using, but at one point he was using our, those icons too. So, um, but it, with regard to the logo, uh, Dan kind of gave me. It was very much like, "Hey, I'm trying to get this thing going. You think you could throw together a logo for me? I I want it to be big and bold, and I want to have some connotation with 
the meaning of five by five, which is, you know, the, the dial being all the way up and things are clear. Right. Uh, yeah. Full strength signal. Right. So I kind of had the first concept for the logo done within two hours or something. And then we just kind of talked about it some more and, but the, it didn't take too long to kind of come up with the initial concept because Dan was really clear about what he wanted as far as it being big and bold and, and including that the dial. So it it was fun and it's great to see, you know, five by five becoming so successful and so well listened. And it's, uh, it's kind of neat to know that I was there when things were just kicking off and, and got the chance to design a logo. Yeah. I love what Dan has done with five by five and, I was blessed to to ask to be on on the network with my show, which actually hadn't even become what it is at all today. I didn't even I think I had the name, but I wasn't even sure what the concept was. It was still unclear to me, and this podcast has evolved, I guess, like most things do over time into into what it is today. Uh, like the very first episode was with Jeffrey Grosenbach, a well known guy in in uh, the Rails world, and I guess web development education and uh, public speaking about uh, technology and stuff like that. So he's a good guy. But this podcast alone is, is, um, has morphed over time with, with Dan's network, and he's done a great job. I'm really proud of him for what he's done with, with 5x5, and even more so to be, uh, to be a part of it I mean, directly, you know, on uh, having a show on there. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but Drew, I think that's about it for me. I mean, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I know I've taken... Uh, roughly 57 minutes of your life away from you but hopefully this is 57 minutes well spent uh, those of you who are listening uh, definitely go check out Drew and all the stuff he's working on gestro.com themefoundry.com and uh, anything else you want to plug Drew? Nope that's it uh, appreciate it Adam I really appreciate you having me on it was uh, it was a great time and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime definitely definitely thanks Drew